Hello, everybody on a Saturday Night Quest Live. What's happening out there on a Saturday night? We'll wait for people to come in. I hope everybody's good. There's Gloria and Playground and Joe and Joe again. Very, very good. Very good. Of course, we have a special guest on in a couple of minutes. Michael Brayman from Dot to Dot. This is what's happening tonight. He has very good information on what he does. There'll be links to his videos posted once everything uh, goes live. Hello, Mike. Very good, Cindy. Hello, Jan. You guys are the best coming in. Curtis. Another Joanne. You guys are fantastic. Uh, let me get my hellos and my supporters out of the way, guys, like I know. I want to thank my YouTube supporters, as always. Hello, Stu. Caroline. I did. Carol. Carl. Virginia, Starlene, Luke, Jeff, Curtis, Jenna, Kelly, Becky, Josh, Mark, Barbara, Sand Dollar, Todd, Renee, Roxy, Jazz, D and Wayne, and Judy for her support, and the Professor Daniel Spino for her support, and Dee Dee Willingham for artistic touches on my new profile. Hello, Professor Daniel Spino. And I want to thank all my... Knights uh, for joining and upgrading. I thank you so much. You got any art, anything inspired or over Allen? Send it to Renee to the Facebook page quest. We'll put it right up. If you drew anything, made anything, that something inspired you on Oak Island. I want to thank my moderators, Tammy, Judy, Renee, Michelle, Daniel, Starlene, and Kathy, and our quest lifetime contributor, Chris Dona. Our call-in number is 1-323-813-4135. I want to welcome all my Facebook Quest members, my YouTube members, my Twitter members that we're on live tonight with Michael, and also my anchor host that broadcast our uh, radio side from Apple Podcasts to Google to Amazon, and Spotify does do our video feed. And there's Jeff M., and there's Gloria, and there's Scotland. There's Darlene. Alrighty, guys. <clears throat> so, tonight is going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. The guy has a bunch of talent. How he does these overlays, he helps me out. All the time because Johnny can't do what he does. It's just unbelievable. <clears throat> His name is Michael Brayman. He runs and owns the Dot to Dot YouTube channel. He's updating new information on things from the past year and refining theories 
of his, which he will explain. But without further ado, let's bring on Michael from Dot to Dot. Hello, John. Hello, Michael. We made it on. Thanks for having me. I sound good, loud and clear. Sound good. Can people see him? See him and hear him. That's what we always do, Michael. See him and hear him. Yeah. Seeing is not as good as hearing. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Judy. Yes. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Face of Freedom. Hello, Michael. Yes, I've seen her on my channel. Now, can you see the chat, Michael? Yeah, I can see the chat. All right, good. Very good. Yep. Kathy. Yeah. But the, like I said, guys, this guy right here, I believe in him. And there's not a lot of theories that I accept that make sense that go through me and to show my 70,000 members. I mean, I get a ton of stuff. I read it all. But, Michael, you and Oliver's yep. is top-notch. Is top-notch. That's why I'm glad to be with you and Oliver as much as I can help. You got me by your side. I got your back, Michael. And we appreciate that, John, very much. Yes, Olivier, he's in France, and uh, he's uh, my co theorist in this and he's very much a part of everything that we have uh, so far discovered uh, with the uh, different documents that are presented to us uh, through um, I guess you would say mostly through David or Bill David Jackson who was the discoverer of the three documents that uh, we use for the vault theory. It is a complete theory. Mm -hmm. and I'll give you that. It's uh, from pretty much finding out uh, how to get on Oak Island, where to basically find the entrance and dig on Oak Island, and then to eventually get to what they call the vault. I know. And, uh, yep. I'm wishing they would give us access to actually, you know, look at your theory. And because now it's almost like we said last time we spoke, it's time to look and dig and see if the theory is as close as it's presented. You know what I mean, Michael? Yeah. I mean, it, it could be the, the evidence to me is very compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it is interpretive, like all theories. They yeah. begin with an interpretation. Uh, they begin with uh, a, a little imagination. And uh, and then you just build from there. And it's just like making a puzzle. You know, you, you have a piece, you look at a piece, and uh, you frame up the edge and the frame. And then you just start looking at these pieces. And, and if, I mean, you don't force them to fit. But you, if they fit, they fit. Right. And and then you move on to the next piece. And if these pieces start to coalesce into a picture, uh, like I believe this theory does, uh, then it's something to sort of stand back and look at and, and, and wonder. And 
it's it's been fun. It's been fun and interesting. And Olivier and I have had a lot of uh, really good explosive times where we come upon discovery, discovery, and 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 things start falling into line and fitting together. So it's been a lot of fun. Right. And like these guys know, my members on the Facebook group, I asked Michael, I says, I don't know where these caissons are. And he doesn't even deal with around the money pit. I says, I have no idea. They show you a close-up of the caisson. Well, is it closer to the monument? Is it closer to the Dunfield dig? I mean, they show a snip that's on the show, Michael. So, guys, when I ask Michael to please help me, because I can't do these overlays and this technology he has. He has so much talent, Michael. It's unbelievable. And he says, if I have, listen to this, guys. If I have a reference point, you got to remember that. People can make things fit to their liking somehow, somewhere. Michael always goes by a factual reference point. Otherwise, you won't touch it. And that's what I like about you, Michael. That's what I like. Well, thank you. Yeah, actually, that was one of the first things that uh, when uh, Olivier and I were working on the Rochefoucauld map, at the very, very, very beginning, when Olivier and his... Mm -hmm. French expertise, because it, it really to to uncover what we're uncovering, you really had to have a very good knowledge of the French language. There's no way I would have been able to do this by myself, because it was the ability of uh, Olivier to understand the unlocking of the note that is in the upper right-hand corner of the Rashpakal map that actually set this uh, going. And uh, once once he started drawing lines, mm-hmm. then I start thinking, well, if, the, if this is true, then the, uh, the lines that are being produced must have two things. It must have a reference line mm-hmm. and it must have a register line and the reference line uh, is something that is, well, in this case, it was running East West mm-hmm. and the, uh, the register line was going to Frog Island. Mm-hmm. So it did make sense. Yep. And also everybody out there, please subscribe and give a like to the dot, the dot channel, please subscribe and like, the Quest of Oak Island channel that would help us out tremendously. If you like the content and you like how we present ourselves, uh, please give us a little positivity on the thumbs up. We appreciate it uh, so much, guys out there. Thank you so much. I just wanted to stick that in, Michael, because I always forget. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it very much. So uh, I can get on. Is there any questions that anybody would? I see a lot of questions going on, but. Let me see this one here. Joe says, I feel that the only purpose for continuing the search for the money pit is because you have a place to start looking for an offset chamber. Yes. And uh, the money pit theory is something that's been going on for a long time. And, you know, without without Daniel McGinnis uh, finding it, it pretty much wouldn't have, there wouldn't be anything, but you know, it is my, 
you know, my view that Daniel McGinnis being a searcher uh, probably wasn't the first first searcher after the original deposit. I think there was searchers before Daniel McGinnis. Right. Do you think there was a map involved, uh, Michael, maybe McGinnis uh, in Scotland? actually just didn't see a light in the woods and they saw a depression in the ground. I'm sort of thinking now after nine years, some of this stuff is hearsay, but some of this stuff, maybe they did have an old map to go by. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I don't know. Um, you had, uh, I believe, one of the McGinnises on your show, did you not? Yes, I did. I had Joan McGinnis. Yeah, I wish I would have watched that show. Uh is it still on your videos? Yes, yes. I'm going to have to watch that because uh, Joan McGinnis wrote a book and uh, she tells a lot about some of the things that the McGinnises had passed down to right. their sons. And apparently there was lots of documents and there was a lot of secrets that they knew. Uh, unfortunately, they did not pass them on to the daughters, only to the sons. Right. And because uh, I asked so, her, uh, Michael, I said, OK, you guys got handed down the cross. But then they write, didn't they have some kind of documentation, some kind of book, some kind of paperwork? Her answer was, oh, I can't comment on that. So that's yeah, what that's I got right. from her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the fact that, that Daniel McGinnis uh, may have found something uh, is is questionable, but it, it is uh, Joan McGinnis does give the testimony that that or the impression that yes, the McGinnises have uh, Daniel McGinnis did find something in the money pit other than the ninety foot stone, and that there is perhaps a map or perhaps uh, some other documents that were down in the pit, but that I don't think we'll know. Okay, let me see here. I had Scott Walter on the show. How do you feel about Scott Walter dismissing the idea of treasure even being on Oak Island? It could have been there. It could have been taken away or whatever. Well, Just your opinion. I appreciate Scott Walter's position because uh, being in the position that he is a researcher and and uh, he has to stay objective. He has mm -hmm. to be uh, somewhat skeptical. And I think that's a healthy way mm -hmm. uh, to approach anything. Uh, you have to be uh, not closed-minded skeptical to where you just dismiss it without looking at it at face value, but um, but you know you you listen to it and then when you hear something or see something that may shift your uh, opinion, mm -hmm. then you then you march forward to the next step. And yeah. I think uh, that also Scott Walter has his own um, theories. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his work has been done uh, not on Oak Island, but in more of the region of the uh, northern part of the United States with the Templar movement into yep. that area. And so when you're a theorist, uh, sometimes to be distracted off your own theory, uh, you know, you just don't do that. You, you just don't go off onto another tangent when you have your own work that you're doing. And, and right. So you don't become as knowledgeable. Now, I know he probably wouldn't uh, agree with some of the things that we're saying. And I know that there's uh, a certain aspect about the documents that we're using uh, 
that are questionable. But uh, I just I just go with what I find on these documents and let them speak for themselves. Yep, that's the way to do it. And also, everything's ongoing. Some old information that we got last year is not even impertinent to what we're doing this year. It just keeps on changing with the more information we get, Michael. Yeah, that's true. And and yes, since the last time I've been on the show, uh, there are things that I have found that support uh, the theory that we're working on. And these are not just... Um, uh, what can I say? They're not, they're not documents. They're, they're actual locations within the Oak Island area that support uh, the, the geometry that came out of the Rochefoucauld map, which is my primary interest is the Rochefoucauld map and the geometry that, uh, that emanated from that, from the clues that we found. Right. Charles says the show has been saying the location of the money pit has been lost. Yeah. Yet. Yet, I've been seeing it pinpointed in many of Michael's videos taken from old photos. So well, is it really lost? I mean, we, you know, I, I see, yes. And on Google Earth, the, uh, the 4, 2011, April 2011 shot, which is uh, basically the earliest one, except for 1985, which is totally useless. Um, but yeah, it shows... Th- the big pit area, what the tourist would call the money pit area. It's a pit with a fence around it. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, you know, what they would put the sign is or show the tourists that that was the money pit before. But uh, I don't know if the money pit was even, or what I'm not going to say the money pit. I'm going to say what the, the, where Daniel McGinnis found. I don't know if that is what the where the money pit is, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I'm going to show tonight too. Is you know in the county of Ludenberg, uh, and I had this on one of my videos, is that Daniel McGinnis in the record of what Daniel McGinnis said about when he found the when he found the depression mm-hmm. that there was a road near the tree that actually there was a road coming to the tree, an old road, he said. And he also said that um, since he saw that road, that's what gave him the idea that perhaps Captain Kidd had buried treasure there. That's what the uh, County of Ludenberg uh, Testament says, that that he saw that uh, road. And... Earlier this season in on the Curse of Oak Island, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he came on and he showed the 1937 picture. And maybe I'll go and maybe I'll start with that, John. All right, let's take one more question and we'll start okay. with your uh, screen share. Yeah, I'll show that road. Okay. And uh, we'll take this one question and go into a robot. What do you think of being a celestial map showing over the island at a certain time of year? Nolan's Cross being sectors pointing to the vault yep. at Sinapis at the point northeast yep. of the island. Go ahead. Yeah, that's I know that theory, and it's a good theory. I mean, uh, it's something that that I really haven't been getting into that much, 
Uh, it doesn't uh, show up in the data that we use. So. Okay, and the professor, last question. Why do you believe Oak Island was chosen as the place for any kind of operation, whatever the heck was happening over there? That's a good question. Uh, it could be that it's probably one of the uh, closest islands to the shore that has any size. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like, uh, I believe it was, uh, what was the geologist's name? Gordon Fader. Yeah, uh, Gordon Faden said that at one time it may have been closely connected. So yep. it, it may have been not even an island at one time. Right, probably with tides in and tides out, you probably can walk across uh, to the mainland also with the sea level so low a long time ago. Yeah, and if you're going to have a big operation, you want to be able to go readily and hunt and, you know, gather food and yep. stuff like that. And Scott says, do you think there are tunnels that still exist? Yeah. I think there is tunnels that still exist. If, if our theory is correct, then uh, there will be tunnels that still exist. Right, some uh, partially it collapsed, some part open, stuff like that, you know. You got to understand, if if this theory is correct, if it is, right. is this is a huge operation. It's something that would have taken quite a lot of planning mm -hmm. and uh, quite a lot of man hours and, and people to accomplish. Uh, I don't know how many years. But by the way, Olivier from... Oak Island Research, my co-researcher, he's going to take up that uh, task of of uh, putting together, because he's a project manager, he's going to look into how long it would have taken to do and how much manpower and resources it would take to do something like this. Yeah, that'll be and, fantastic to show and get him on live. We'll have to do an early, like a three o'clock uh, show. And, and if this is, um, you know, something that is of that nature to where it's like uh, big, that big, then it's going to be, what's going to be in there is going to be huge. I don't think it's just going to be a pot of gold. I think it's going to be something a little more uh, esoteric in perhaps information or uh, relics or something like that. Some kind of big wow moment like King Tut's room. Yeah. And I think the construction is not going to be wood. I think it's going to be more of a stone structure, a built stone stone structure in the main part of it. Probably in the bedrock. All right. So... Let's bring up your presentation, and then we'll get back into questions. All right, let's do this. Let's see. Hello, Gustavo. Hello, TT. All right, so let's do this. Share. All right. Ready? Yep. Here we go, guys. There we be. All right. So this year, one of the things that I did 
And actually, my inspiration to do this was to uh, was because of a commenter uh, of one of my subscribers on the channel. Well, Michael, take that uh, white box on the bottom. It's blocking. Yeah, right there. Okay, there. there you go. Got it. Thank you so much. So anyway, this is Round Island. And I've overlaid this picture. This picture was taken off the internet, actually off a real estate company that was selling Round Island. And the reason I did that was because Round Island is a uh, a point on the vault theory to where the east-west line basically, well, it either initiates, if you look at it one way, or it terminates. And it and it terminates at these stones right here. And this is the reason, because Google Earth doesn't have this kind of definition. Mm -hmm. And here's a stone here. Here's a stone here. And the east-west line goes right along here. Mm -hmm. And I can put that up. I can make it bigger. So, and I call it the handle. And what this does is it goes cross all the way to Round Island and it terminates here, which is uh, a, a point which we call the hump. Mm -hmm. And this is a, this is an important position on the Rashbakal map. But uh, as far as this goes, as far as overlaying these uh, images, you need to have at least uh, a, reference uh, scale you have to have a scale and you have to have uh, a orientation or you have to have three points and i use all these rocks here along the shore and i use a lot of things to overlay um, the picture so you can see and I'll put on the Google Earth here. So here's the uh, 4, 4 2011 is the one that I use. And if I fade this off, you can see there's this is the, uh, the Google Earth picture. And so when I fade it on, mm -hmm. so this is how I do a lot of my overlays. You either need three points or you need something to tell you what north, south, east, west is, or you need, uh, and, and you also need a scale to tell you the distance. But if you have three points, you can do that. So this is how I, I do it. Now, Google Earth, these photographs, they're going to have a little bit of an error because they, uh, they're taken with different kinds of lenses. They're, they're taken at different altitudes and things like that. So you have to, to compensate for that as best you can. But, I got a question, uh, Michael. Yeah. Do the stones on Round Island configure into on of the constellations? No, not no. that I've researched. Okay. Um, no. Already. But this is something, uh, I bring this up because this is something that that I uh, recently overlaid, and this uh, this confirms this east-west line. This east-west line uh, was part of, actually, it was the start of the Rashford called um, 
map clues, and I'll bring that up here. First of all, let, let's, for the people that don't know, I'll give you a little rundown on the vault theory. So here is, mm -hmm. these are the three documents that are based, the Roth, uh, the vault theory is based on. And these were acquired by uh, Dr. William Jackson, who passed away in the year 2000. And he acquired all these. One of the things that uh, he did before this is that he was doing pretty much the same kind of work that Scott Walter was doing. He was looking at the Templars coming into north, the North United States and uh, mostly around New York. And then for some reason, it seems like in the mid to late uh, 1990s, uh, he hid the Rochefoucauld map, which is right here, and the La Formula, which is right here with this note at the bottom. And at the bottom of this note, it says, Tim McGinnis to W. David Jackson, one of seven. And this right here, this piece of uh, the La Formula, and you've seen this before on your show, La Formula matches one of the pieces, which is in the middle of the uh, this, what we call the Antiara schematic. Mm -hmm. And this is, has seven pieces to it that it's cut out. And if you look at it, let's see, I have the comparison here. If you look at them, they're this, they're they're not the same. They're mirrored, and they're not exact because I believe that this was traced, either sketched or traced, and then filled in. So, uh, as to communicate this to William Jackson, or maybe the other way around, could be. So, and this is the piece. So you can see the the similarities so this would be the front of it and this would be the back of it so this is uh the vault theory and i pretty much have been working on this with the geometry but how this works is the uh the rashvakal map basically gives you the geometry uh to find, at least to start to find, all these landmarks that are on Oak Island. There's the hole under the trap door, the hole under the hatch, the valve, then there's triangle two, and there's the basin and the barrage, which really we know little about. Then we have the anchors, the north anchor and the south anchor. And then we have the triangle of Peter here. And then we have what's called the oak entrance, which is right here. And then we have the vault under the earth, which is right here. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's Frog Island on the bottom? Yes. Okay. And that's the other interesting thing about this map is that the land masses are not depicted as they are today right even oak island and especially this area on the inland portion 
and and uh, round island is seems to be a lot bigger but then we don't know you know i'm sure there wasn't much taken to make it to scale uh, but this is uh something that that i find interesting that that frog island is not nearly the same here a lot of this portion is missing mm-hmm. so it makes you wonder and it, it it's very intriguing very interesting so uh the way the way this uh works is this is this this right here this poem or this it is a poem but this note to francois uh rochefoucauld it says uh this is in french but i know the translation it says uh what is it a a um drawing for monsieur francois la rochefoucauld a little glass and then we do not know this word now olivier being a french expert basically he says there's no translation for this word it's not really even a word hmm. you can put it in i have put it into google earth and it does come up with a translation uh and it says of apprenticeship and i ran that by olivier and he says no uh so google translation may give you that as a translation but then if you run it through other translations translators online it won't give you anything so this is one of the things that's uh a very it's a mystery however we do have an explanation of why that's there and okay. basically what it is is it's just filling in uh syllables to uh make you become make west become part of this sentence that's at the bottom here okay i got a question about the maps of the pieces of the map uh, michael yeah is it true that we that we know where any of the other pieces are and have they been matched up thank you jen well um as far as this map goes this one seems to be complete so i don't think there's any pieces missing um it is it's my uh, observation at least on this map that this is the original map that they were working with mm-hmm. the original pieces um i know it states in the book uh the scrolls of antiara which this picture comes from mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good book if any of you are inclined to get it it's it's a book that doesn't really get into um a story so much is it's a it's uh, a collection of the explorations of uh, david jackson uh, bill mm-hmm. jackson sure and is. what he was doing and this and this is one of the things that he had collected uh is these seven pieces and the reason why it's like this is because uh before they were working uh, with what they called the lemon juice drawings and 
when they were working with the lemon juice drawings, they accidentally lit one on fire. And this, this drawing, and there is writing on here. You can't see it with this uh, resolution, but there is writing and instructions. And Olivier has a video that shows the writing because he has better resolution pictures. But uh, we believe that this was brought out by even this drawing right here was brought out by using an acid kind of sort of like on uh, the movie uh, the, the that treasure national treasure movie mm-hmm. where it's hidden until you put on an agent and you heat it up and they were doing that with other documents uh, bill jackson and his team and i think what they did is the reason why they drew these lines in is because if you keep reheating it and reheating it and reheating it to draw all these lines in here, then it eventually will get to where it'll start breaking apart like this. So I think what they did is they actually drew on them over what they uh, discovered. And that's why this is in sort of a dark ink, but I don't think it, that is what it originally was. It, It was probably a lot lighter than do you know what kind of paper? Did they say what kind of paper that map no. is? No. No, actually, in, in the Scrolls of Antiara, this is in the back of the book, which basically all these documents, they found no connection. They were had no connection with the Hunter uh, right. Hunter Mountain exp, you know, exploration that was going on up in, uh, in New York. So they didn't know really what what these were, at least in the scrolls of Antiara, they don't say what it was for. But there are like three times uh, uh, Don Rue mentions that that Bill Jackson acquired this map from uh, Armand Rashvacald in 1994. So. This is shortly before he passed away. And in 1994, he was diagnosed with a condition that eventually uh, got worse. But, you know, this, this, all this stuff wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, William Jackson and also Don Rue, because Don Rue is the person who uh, has kept all this mm-hmm. so that that it can be seen by us today. So they get a lot of credit for if, if this is true, right. uh, They get, they get a lot of credit for, for what they did, their work. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, and Dr. Jackson uh, worked for 35 years, I believe uh, in New York with the Hunter mountain expedition. And, and, uh, and then he had these and he hid them all. All these were hidden. And one of the things he says in one of his letters in the Scrolls of Antiar, he says that uh, he hid most of his findings because he didn't didn't want them destroyed. Uh, And apparently his wife didn't approve of what he did uh, as a doctor. She didn't think he should be out digging in the dirt as an archaeologist. 
and uh, she, he was afraid that she would just throw them away. So he hid a lot of them so they would be preserved. And he says, I hid my findings. So, you know, even though Scott Walter's uh, skeptical about these being fabrications or something that he did because of he was writing a fiction book or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't fit with the context that I'm seeing from uh, reading the books and the scrolls of Antiara. Uh, he didn't seem like a fiction writer to me. And uh, he hid these because he felt that they were, uh, that they were uh, valuable. Right. I got another question. Does your theory, Michael, discuss how the English became involved in this French operation? No, no. Um, I guess, I guess what you could say our theory is, is uh, it's basically just based upon this document right here mm -hmm. and what it brings forth. And maybe I should get to that. Not ready. So here's the MFR map. Now, what I'm going to show you is I'll just give you a rundown on how this works because this is instrumental to the uh, the beginnings of what is on Oak Island. And because I have Google Earth, I'm able to overlay and uh, basically orient this map in the position and scale this map into the position that uh, – the geometry dictates, which is why it's at an angle like this. This geometry is going to come off in this direction. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's that's why it's oriented this way. But let me turn it right side up to start. And I'll show you. I'll show you what it does. And remember I talked about the different clues, okay? And these are the clues. These are all the MFR clues. Now, these two are going to come up. Those are for a later demonstration. But these are all the clues that come that we've discovered, Olivier, mostly Olivier up here, uh, especially when it has to do with the French uh, language. He is the one that has deciphered all this. And basically, when you look at this document, uh, most people just disregard it because it looks like it's uh, poorly written, haphazardly drawn, mm -hmm. and that it is basically illiterate to the French language. And this is what Olivier thought at first, too. But after further inspection, and when you really start to look at it and look at some of the things that are similar he, he decided that, wow, maybe there is something here. And what it was was this right here. He was looking at this. And notice how this is broken into two sections here. And his wife, who was with him at the time he was looking at this, read this first line. And she said, you know what? That's an Alexandrine. And an Alexandrine is a form of poetry uh, that the French used. And basically, it started in around the 12th century. And 
it was used mostly at first to uh, talk about uh, the book of Alexander the Great, and then also it was used in uh, the King Arthur tale, which uh, Olivier is currently looking at, a Rashford document of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, this this drawing for Monsieur Rashford, the Alexandrine is basically a poetic form that encom- that is composed of 12 syllables. So from set to Monsieur Rashford is 12 syllables. And the author of this uh, also draws a comma right here to stop the 12th syllable. But the other part about the Alexandrine, too, it has an emphasis on the sixth syllable. And at the end of the sixth syllable, there's a pause. And if you notice that at the end of this M, which is the sixth syllable, there's a period. So what he surmised is this is an Alexandrine. And the puzzle here is to make this bottom, the next part, an Alexandrine. Hence, that's why we have de apronostria, which really means nothing. Mm-hmm. But it does have a lot of syllables. And you. the other, the other, uh, the other way you make this an Alexandrine is you have to separate the V from E R R E. So it says un petit. V air diapernostria, and then the last syllable has to be west. So un petit v air diapernostria west. That's twelve syllables. So that's the first part of understanding this uh, the structure of this sentence. Then to make sense of it, you have to make, because it doesn't make sense with the diapronostria. Mm-hmm. I propose that instead of diapronostria, you take it out and you just substitute it with the West. So you have a little V, oh, and I forgot to tell you the English translation, a little V wanders because air means wanders or path and then d d apostrophe s would be westerly or from the west Hmm. so a little v wanders from the west and if we go back and we look at the rocks on oak island or on Round Island, those, uh, let me put this back here. These form a V. Now, any three rocks are going to form a V. So, you know, that's that's not anything big. But you have these form a V, and they form a V in a way that is, let me see if I have that up here. They form a V like that, mm-hmm. 
And okay, so let me put this. Uh, The uh, handle back on. So if you notice that, see how the long portion of the V, it goes through the long portion of the V, right? Right. And then. Here's the V. You see it? I see it. So these, this is the V in Vera. This is the line, the lining up of this V, and this is what Olivier did. And this is called the Vera line, and it points to the center of this quadrant. And then, when you know, this map right now, this document is is all scaled and oriented now, but. If I was just to do be doing this with this document without it, the Google Earth and taking this geometry, I would just be making this line with the V and going here. Of course, I wouldn't go to to Round Island because mm -hmm. I don't know that yet, right? Let's right. just say we're on the ship or over in France or England and we don't know that. We're just we just have this map in front of us. We have solved this um, riddle, and we have found that this V, this line, goes to this quadrant. Okay, I got a question on the map also. <laughs> Maybe we can put a, a stop to that. Um, would it not be that Oak Island has been a peninsula during the date of the 1300s? Sea level has been stated to be at least 10 foot lower than now. So how would they draw that outline of Oak Island if it didn't really look like that and it looks like a present-day drawing? And was it just a plan that they drew it, that they were going to make the island look like an elephant? Thank you, Michael. Yeah, I don't know. I I just go by what I'm looking at here. Uh, if they say that this was all connected, yeah. Uh, at one time, I I don't understand why, but um, the one thing I guess I could say is that it wasn't. It it wasn't. If this is true, then it wasn't. Right. Uh, and actually, the I can't take it away, uh, but the it actually. Uh, would be that this was added on to the island, that the island actually went down like this, and that part of this landmass that eroded away ended up being on this part of the island. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm not right. uh, an expert. This could have been filled in at one time, and if that is true, then it would throw question upon uh, the the authenticity of of this map. So right, I just yeah. get a million questions on that. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to know your opinion on it. That's all. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know, but this uh, this right here, this V. Notice that in our um, uh, 
translation, a little V wanders. Okay. We also have this meandering uh, worm or line right here that basically gives us a clue on the translation. And then we have this, which is a little V. It sort of has this line coming up. And we uh, say that this is all part of the clues that are given to you as, as an investigator of this, this document that tells you and confirms that what you're going to do is this. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing is also is the, the grammar and the uh, spelling lesson, which is the petite is spelled wrong, P-E-T. And then there's an I squeezed in here for some reason, and then T, and then there's not supposed to be an E here. And this E is very much uh, exaggerated or overdone. And then we have over here the set, which is not, uh, it's not grammatically correct according to Olivier. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be just C-E and not C-E-T-T-E. So what we get here is we get an, uh, a, a redundancy of error in the E-T-T-E, E-T-T-E. And, the, and the, the I is squeezed in here like this. So Olivier found the next line, which is what we call the set line. And the set line goes between the E's, just or between the T's, just like the I. Mm -hmm. And it goes down from the middle of the set and it splits the T and the E in Antriosage, which is the landing. So that's basically what this part of the, um, the Rashvakal map. This is like the opening uh, part of the Rashvakal map. And it brings attention to the quad, mm -hmm. what we call the quadrant. And then the other two uh, clues are over here on Round Island. One is a vector clue, and this is another clue right here. And these go together. And what they are, this is going to be a vector. Um, that comes off of here, right through the middle of this line. And you just draw it, because remember, we're, we have no reference to Oak Island at all yet. Right. You're just drawing lines, and you just draw a line all the way down through across the page. And it ends up going over here by this next clue, the drawing uh, of this is basically a clue for the landing. And that's what this is associated with. And we have this clue with the landing, which is at Frog Island. That will have... And we have this number, 1,347, which everybody thought was a date. And it still may be a date, but in this context, it's referring to a distance, 
1347 hide, which is uh, pre-1668 foot unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and back here is we have this little, this goes along with the vector we just did. And it's the symbol, it's a little foot, measurement foot. And that is associated with this right here. It's the same. So basically what it's telling us or what we interpret it's telling us is this vector here and this measurement from the bark to the center has a reason. So another thing that Olivier found, uh, proposed is the centering, the center line going through the bark. And he also did the barku, but the barku didn't have anything. What about but, when they're pointing to these objects and that little squiggly line looks like a Z? Does that just how they did it in <clears> those <throat> old ages? Or why don't they just make a straight line or an arrow? What's that Z type of thing, Michael? Thank you. Well, the Z lines I propose, and this is just... right. Uh, from working with this map is basically they are, I think they're geometric indicators of association. In other words, this bark mm -hmm. is associated with a line in this direction. Okay. And it's going to be, it eventually ends up being the East West line. Uh, the other thing too is later, now, I probably won't get to this, but the reason it's off to the side here mm -hmm. is uh, because there's another, uh, when the bark, when this is turned uh, 90 degrees, it will actually point to the north anchor. And that's when this line comes into effect. But right here, uh, we're mm -hmm. going off of this one right here, the point and the tab down at the back of the boat. Right. is the alignment on this. And what that ends up doing, if we take the Vera line away, is it gives us this V, this angle here. And these two angles, so we just finished our uh, spelling, grammar, and, right. uh, and literature test. Now we're going to get into some Euclidean geometry testing. Do you think the guy that was on uh, the Curse of Oak Island this year, and he was brought on the show, Michael, and he said the map was being read wrong? I don't remember anybody like that. He was saying about, you know, the, the hatch under the under the door up on top, and he was saying, well, it's being, it's being uh, not read correctly. He was on the show season nine. I forgot his name. Um, oh. Oh yeah, right. The guy, the first guy that came yeah. in. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Because the map that they showed, we knew this a lot. I mean, that was no big revelation. Uh, the map that they showed in the first episode, uh, this this line was like missing. So it looked like the trap door was right here, two mm -hmm. of them, and that this right here was the hole. Um, and this was the valve. There was like, it looked like there was three because this part was missing. Okay. So when you look at the original, you know, when you look at this, uh, 
it, it it's clearly one of those zigzag patterns. Mm-hmm. Right. And the valve is just one right here. And the hole under the trap door is just one. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, that's what that was about. So anyway, this is uh, this is the beginnings of what we call um, Nolan's cross or the positioning of of the the uh, elements within this. And what 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 happens here is since we have this vector here and we're measuring something off the bark to the center here, the real measurement is going to come from this point, the point where the bark is pointing to. And the distance is going to be the same. Now, this is an important part because we're just going to take our dividers, and it doesn't matter how big this drawing is. It can Mm -hmm. be the size of a postage stamp, Mm -hmm. or it can be the size of a billboard. It doesn't matter because what you're going to do is you're going to take your measurement from here to the center here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're going to make it perpendicular to this point. Now you're saying, well, perpendicular to a point. Well, how do we do that in Lucidian geometry? And this is why it is for somebody who knows, at least in the time, you know, ancient times, would know Euclidean geometry. Now we just learned it in high school. So, But what you do is you bisect these two angles, and which, by the way, these two angles are part of the tree of life, and I did a video on that. They line up perfectly. But uh, then if you measure this from here, which is doesn't matter what size, you just take that measurement, Mm-hmm. You put it right there. Okay. <clears throat> then you work yourself to the landing. And this gets really complicated. I don't know if I want to take the time into getting into this. No, that's okay because we <clears throat> want to get to the 1937 map too also. Yeah, right. But basically, I'll just keep going with this. Uh, you're going to make a, another parallel line. So basically with Euclidean geometry, you can make a parallel line and this portion right here, mm-hmm. right where it crosses right here is going to be, it's, re- it's mirrored, it's reversed. And I, I guess I could probably just, but it's reversed. So the end point is going to be at the set line. And this is cone C of, Nolan's cross. So that is cone C of Nolan's cross. And this is cone D of Nolan's cross eventually. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that yet. So the, the big thing that comes up is we end up mirroring and in the scrolls of Antiar, there's a picture that Bill Jackson took that looks similar to this. Yep, I remember I'm probably, seeing it. I'm going to probably take a, a do a video on that. But anyway, you end up mirroring and you get another point, which is up here. So you're taking this distance and you're mirroring it across the T-section of Nolan's cross. 
to here. And that is uh, what we call the 429 foot extension. And then or you take this, a line from here to where the set point is. And that's where that line intersects the landing, this, this whole um, number. So what happens is from the top of this uh, triangle, you come to a point, and then that will end up at Frog Island. So that's what we did here is we created the triangle on the top of the second parallel line. Mm -hmm. And we make it down to where it meets right here at the set point. And this is the distance 1,347. So it doesn't matter uh, what size this is. This line represents 1,347 pi, which gives you your scale. So this is how you know that this the, that all these lines have a scale now and it's in relationship to this so if we know this is 1347 pi then we can calculate the the uh the distance from here to here in real feet mm -hmm. and then we since this is double we can know what the distance is from the middle to here so we have a distance now. So the, the final thing on this is that, remember, it starts from, notice how it goes off a little bit. And what this is telling you is it comes down to a point, which is your set point. And then it comes across and it will end up here. But what it's saying is it's this trajectory. It's not the set line. It's this. It's this one that we just drew. And if you continue on with this line in on the map, it goes right to that point. Mm -hmm. So this is how uh, you basically take this map and through all the angles and the two references, which is the east-west line that goes from Round Island from these V-Rocks, this will orient all these lines uh, from going north-south. And then you have this line that comes to this point on the island, which is the 429 and it is a place that you can calculate this distance here from Michael, Michael, yeah how did how did the people long ago even think of this geometry oh, at, they were, that, at that time of age to even figure this out i mean uh you know they, ho, ho ho in a bottle of rum or whatever the heck they were doing how these, the heck did they get this intelligence to even figure this stuff out? Go ahead, Mike. These, these got well, that's what they did. Some of the monks and uh, the people that were, you know, tradesmen, and mm -hmm. uh, if 
they were very, very well educated. I mean, the ones that were to do that, that would do something like this, they were very educated. And that's why I believe they did it this way Okay, is, uh, and this may not be this map. If it's uh, authentic may not be, uh, original Mm -hmm. positive stuff. This could be searcher related. Right. And it could be that this information is being passed down like this, but this is the landing. Once the landing is established, you can take the Rashvakal map away because you can just take the, the angular relationship of these lines. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also if you knew, and I didn't know this until uh, recently is that this, this line from here to this point right here is exactly three times 1347. Very interesting. Uh, so this is exactly three times. It's uh, the, the distance uh, uh, 1347 in our feet is 1,444 um, feet. So if we do... So you can see this is 1,444 yards. So it's three times this. So you take your pointer, your dividers, and you go three times, and you'll end up here. And uh, Olivier pointed out that there's a lot of threes. Can you see this three right here? Right. And this happens to be at the the point of the sixth syllable, which is, this where you pause. So that's just uh, something that, uh, let's see. So the Rajfakal map uh, has basically three these are the position. This gives you the position, which is basically the starting of um, Nolan's cross, and it brings in cone D, and this is what gives you reference to Nolan's cross. And then the scale and orientation is through the uh, bear line and the landing line. And these two set lines and the scale of this being 1347 and then realizing that this is uh, 429 feet. And the outcome is, this is the outcome of what happens. So once you get this oriented to uh, round uh, Oak Island, Mm -hmm. this is what you end up getting is you get the location of basically the start of Nolan's triangle and the extension of Nolan's triangle. Uh, This is one of the last clues is the quadrant points in a 45 degree angle which goes through another, uh, the center of Lahump. 
So the distance from uh, the set point to the 429 is equal to the same distance through the quadrant. <clears throat> and all you have to do is line up this and line up that, and this automatically comes into to this, to where it's uh, the same distance as this distance right here, the 1347. So we end up with two points that are not known right here that are critical to finding Lahamp and to finding this extension here. And that is uh, the set point and Lahamp. And this is part of uh, La Formula. From Lahamp, it's 522 pi to the entrance that we showed on the uh, on the map of the where is it the distance from here B where you enter this corridor to Lahamp, which is C is 522 feet. And that's on La Formula. Uh, La Formula is, is the, um, is this right here. And I think I had a translation here. So this is what it says in the formula. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, you know, if you decipher, remember you decipher this code. This is the same code as the 90-foot stone, the Kempton cipher. And when you decipher it, you get this message in French, right? And this, in French, this is how Oliver, trans this is his translation. It says, stop, do not dig. Dig at 40 feet with an angle of 45 degrees. The pole, the pole is Lahamp at 522 feet. So the what we're saying is that from the uh, the oak or the entrance into that underground tunnel mm -hmm. to Lahamp which is underground, is right. 522 feet, or 522 pied. So that's the significance of this uh, quadrant, is it points to, through Lahamp, from cone A, and it lands right on cone A, and it goes to the 522 and the Triangle of Peter. That's the reason for the Triangle of Peter, it is a 45-degree uh, angle from uh, Lahamp, and it sets up a, a triangle to find that uh, for that to find that entrance. That was their benchmark, right, Michael? The 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 triangle of Peter. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah that that's right. That would be their benchmark right. as far as. So, so you'd cite this in and triangle of Peter. It's also a concept too, of uh, triangulation. Mm -hmm. 
because these are two equal sides from uh, La Hump. If you went out here 90 degrees and, and went to La Hump, it would be equal, and that would be able to give you the distance from here to here. Um, well, that's good. We're taking questions as they're going, so we just can keep on going, Michael. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I wanted to to show you some of the supporting evidence, but right. in order for me to show you the supporting evidence, I have to go through this to show you what I'm supporting. <laughs> I hear and, you. And it, it, I know this is sometimes boring for people because it is very, um, it's hard to follow, and we've, I've taken like a year to to undo to do this to discover this with Olivier. Um, doing the geometry was fairly quick, mm-hmm. but uh, finding out how explaining how it works <laughs> is another story. Yeah, we got Daniel Spino says very interesting. Thank you, Michael. Where does your line that went to Round Island end up going on the mainland? Thank you, Daniel. Uh, well, let's see, Daniel. Hold on. Take off this. The reason why I had that white background, in, I'll show you. I'll, I'll show you, Daniel. The, the reason I had that white background is just to show you, to emphasize that this is just a bunch of lines mm-hmm. that once you know the references to the mainland and you have the scale, all you have to take do is take these lines and translate it on a 1315 map and, you know, you know where you are. Yep, nobody's uh, bored, Michael. We all interested. We're all interested. I appreciate that. Okay, so Daniel, you want to know where that goes if we go? Okay, so here, let's let's do this, Daniel. Let's draw another line, and this is the way I do all my stuff. Now you can see when we get in here that close. Mm-hmm. You know how long we're talking? That right there is not even two feet. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So, um, oh, and unfortunately, I don't know what happened to my Google Earth, but I can't scroll and pull at the same time for some reason. So, and hopefully I'll be able to do this because my mouse is a little... Okay, so remember, okay, so this is at 2, so you can see this. This is at 269.9. So this is probably pretty close. It's a little bit off. So there it is, uh, 270. So, you know, this is going, I'm probably still a little off. because I know this is exactly east-west. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Somebody was talking about this being the fish on the the, the map. So, but that's not the the mainland, right? What is that island there? What is that thing? I don't know what I'm island. Lost. I don't even think it's an island named. Mm-hmm. I looked at the nautical charts, and you know, Olivier said it would be hard to get a boat in through here, and he's yeah. right. This is right. really shallow all through here. Yeah. So there. 
there, Daniel. So there's where it goes. I don't know how far inland you want to go, but it goes due east. Is that is that what he wanted to know? He didn't answer. Just wanted to know where it ended up on the mainland. Probably looking for New Ross, if it's any close to New Ross or something. You know what I mean? I don't know where New Ross would be. Me I neither. think I think New Ross is up. It's up this. Yeah, yeah. I thought up certain, Yeah. Here's the. This is the uh, Gold River. I, right. I, so, it's up in this area somewhere. Very good, Michael. Very, very good. Thank you. Um. So let's go, let's leave this up here because this really is the culmination of the Rashford map. This is what it gives us. Uh, it gives us a scale, a position to find on the island that corresponds to another, uh, a distance that we know, 429 times 2, which gives us cone D. And then we can also discover cone B and C, and which really don't come into play that much. The most important thing about Nolan's Cross in this theory is the axis. Unbelievable. And the other thing it gave us is the hump mm-hmm. and the set point. And these are important. So you are asking how is this practical, or at least I did, how is this practical in that they're going to go on the island and find these points? And this is done, where is the, start here nolan's data now here's another person who's contributed a lot now one of the reasons why that they would do their sighting up in this area is because of the terrain this is much higher and remember we're going to initially get our sighting in from here and right. most likely, this. I thought, I thought it was 54 feet above sea level at that point. Uh, it reminds me of 54 feet at the money pit around that area. Well, here, let me show you. This is, if we take this. So at the 429, yeah. it's 27 feet. And then if you go down sea level, if you go over to Frog Island, there's a 35-foot mountain here, and then you go here. However, if there's a boat here, Mm -hmm. parked here, with a 100-foot mast, and you put a lantern on top of it, you'd be able to see over this. Right. But... Back to uh, Fred Nolan's stuff. So anyway, this this uh, LIDAR here is to show you the elevations of the area. And what we're going to look at now is Fred Nolan's data. And 
this is Fred Nolan's survey that he did back in the 60s, before probably uh, he discovered Nolan's cross. Now, remember, uh, the only the way I overlay is I need a scale and reference points. Fred Nolan gives you none, except I think I found it. So you can look at this with a little bit of skepticism, uh, and I won't mind, but Fred Nolan purposely did coded his maps and his stuff so that other people wouldn't be able to understand them. Doesn't that sound familiar? So what would be the most familiar scale that he would know? And orientation. His house. This, I believe, is the scale. And this is Fred Nolan's house. Hmm. Back in. And if you take his house and you look at the way he's drawn this, that it is an orientation and a scale. His, scout, his house is 50 feet. So this is how I, the only way that I could find, because I don't go by any of the other things that are on here, the swamp or the shoreline or anything like that, mm -hmm. went by his house. And if you go by his house, and this is the reason I believe he did this survey was for these. Um, let's see. Let's do this. Is for the study of the stone piles that he found. And these. All these, when they have a little ring with a dot in the middle, it's either a boulder or, or a stone pile. It could be either or. But he's he's labeled these as stone piles. And it's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, you remember the, uh, the serpent mound? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what these are. Because <laughs> Fred Nolan bulldozed them. Right. And this could be where you put it. Uh, if you notice that one of the stone piles goes through the uh, the vector from here. Yep. So another way I know that this may be a line is in one of his interviews, Fred Nolan said that this Nolan triangle had the base of it had a, uh, a heading of 262 uh, degrees and 30 minutes. And this one, is set pretty much at that 262 and a half degrees, 262 and 60 degrees. So I'm sort of confident that this is set up right. So with, with the um, outcome of the Rashvakal map, uh, we start drawing the vectors from Nolan's uh, stone piles. And one I already knew about, but uh, this one is possibly the uh, one that orients or what is this? 
that gives us the triangulation to the extension point. There's a stone pile here that actually goes from the extension point due south. Okay. And that ends up being the south anchor down here. But all these stone piles have their own little reference north and south right here. This is running north and south. And then we have these three stone piles that go to cone D, which is basically the start point of our Rashvakal map to uh, that. This one, I did not find one to. This one right here, I did not find anything. Uh, this one right here, these two, mm -hmm. this line here goes to the set point. Okay. And these two right here, which is come, which is important because it's coming off the north south reference, goes to the Frog Island. Unbelievable. And then the last one here, or that one here, goes to the north anchor. Where's my north anchor? Do you think the stone piles were made before or after Nolan made his maps? Nolan, Fred Nolan believed that they were original. Okay. Um, I'm not so sure. I'm, I know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I th Because I'm starting to think that there's been searchers here before. Yep. And. Um, Way before. Yeah. Now, this one doesn't line up perfectly with the the north anchor okay it's a little bit off and just to show you it's 4.4 feet and that might be a boulder right there okay <laughs> so um you know it's it's not perfect perfect but and then the last one uh this one goes to the 522 entrance. So we have these one, two, three, four, five different vectors from these stone piles that are going to the major, two, actually two, or one of the major points that we didn't even know about from the Rajvakal map. It was calculated through the geometry. So this is something that I found very interesting um, that these all, I knew about the money pit one before, and I mm -hmm. thought this was the money pit uh, down here. This was what we would call the Oak entrance, the 522 entrance. Right. And so that's that's uh, also you know you can see that we have a north anchor to here to cone D. So we have a, a triangulation of the whole, or at least part of the extension to the north anchor from cone D, and then eventually we'll 
later, I mean, not later, but there is, there is a way from the Rashvakal map where it shows from cone E. And the extension of Nolan's triangle from the north anchor to cone E is 1,347 pied or 1,444 feet, the same distance that's on the Rashvakal map. I hear you. Very good researching, very good work, Michael. Um, this is the 1937 survey. There we go. This is done by George Bates. I used to have another one done by another guy, but I went with this one because it had a little more detail in it. And it was done by George Bates, who was actually with Charles Roper when he did this survey. So I figured it was probably a little bit more reliable. The thing that's on this survey is he also has this center line that's drawn in where the other one didn't. Um, and he has distances. I like these distances because then I can fig you know, know that the triangulation uh, angles by just uh, doing a little geometry. You can figure out the angles of it. But this was done for um, Gilbert Haddon, 1937. Gilbert Haddon was very much a Captain Kidd theorist, enthusiast. And that's why I believe this survey was done. Because they were looking for the, the things that were on Captain Kidd's map, which was the 30 rods and uh, the 14 rods and the 7 by 4 by 8. Uh, and, but what I found is, and I have this lined up, Uh, how I got this lined up is uh, easy. It's got the north-south, so you just line that up with north-south. It has a nice graduated scale, so you beautiful. just scale that right beautiful, here. Beautiful, beautiful. And then you have a registration. Uh, the registration that I have is, uh, you know, the famous boulder right here on the beach. Mm -hmm. I believe this is the one that. And there it is. And we have it on the 4, 2011. And I feel that this is the most accurate. And so this is registered and scaled and oriented the best I know how. Very good, Michael. But if you take, I always wondered about this. And this is the last thing that I can show you that I discovered was I never realized what these were. And then I started, uh, I just ended up uh, going, drawing lines off of it. And one of them goes to La Hump. This angle right here. Mm -hmm. See, this is the drilled rock. So this sets up your angle. This distance is exactly what the distance
78.7 feet, 78.7 feet. So I know this angle is right. And it's the same with this one. So this angle will be right. And this distance, if this is right, this angle will be right too. 39.2 feet. 39.2 feet. We have a little bit of a discrepancy here. It didn't quite match. But it's um, eight inches off. Oof. This one right here goes to the set point. Now you're talking about the set point. What do you mean by the set point? Remember, this is something that's this is something that comes from our theory. Okay. The set the set point is the point from where the the scale line, the 1347 line, comes from the extension triangle down to the, basically with the set line, which was set by Oliver, with that is uh, a line through the Rochefoucauld map that goes through the errant set, remember E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, and okay. then the line that comes down. And this is this is where the those two lines intersect. Okay. Uh, I can put, let's see. So this is, this is the one that came off, remember the extension triangle. This right. is what set the scale on the Rochefoucauld map. Right. And it has to do with Lahamp. See, this whole thing is to find Lahamp. This 1347 or 1937, 1937 thing right here right. is to find Lahamp. Right. Which is, uh, it gives you a triangulation from the hump to the set point. And we know that the set point to the hump is the same as the 429 to the set point. Yep, it's I the see. same distance. You see, so we have that triangulation correspondence. The other thing is, too, is when we take this survey and what he did, that goes right to the 522 entrance, at least pretty close. But this ring right here is 10 feet in diameter. Mm -hmm. And that takes us down to the uh, the stone triangle. I see it. And this is 14 rods to here. 14 rods and now it's one of the distances the captain kid distances that they were mm -hmm. talking about and so here's the 1937 aerial photo i love this photo it's really good definition i mean for for a photo back then it's very high quality yep i love it too yeah it's really good um this photo it's really one of those things you cannot uh overlay well i can overlay it in one position 
uh, I took out a little distortion uh, because this is done with a wide angle lens. So, and at a pretty low altitude. So the, um, the distortion is going to be such that you're not going to be able to line up everything in proportion because it's, it's not angular. You know, yeah. uh, Jan wants to know, does the eye of the swamp line up with any of the lines on your map? No, nothing in the swamp. Okay. The closest that comes to the eye of the swamp is the line that goes from uh, Lahamp right here right. to uh, the vault. So, you know, the vault is the vault under the earth. That's right. where, where everything is. And it basically, that line, the vault is out here. Mm-hmm somewhere it's actually according to la uh, la formula it's 1065 pied or 1141 feet from la hump so or 14,000 inches (laughs) long tunnel yeah so you know it's out here somewhere and so you can see, you know, that uh, it comes pretty close to the eye of the swamp. Yep, just below. And it was one of our theories that, that the eye of the swamp may have been they would just do a tunnel off hmm. of here. Right. And, and that this was an excavation area. In other words, this is where they would take all the tunneling material. They would take it out at the eye of the swamp. They took all the uh, tunneling material and, and put it on, you know, threw it yeah. in the swamp, basically. I got you. And uh, and then sealed it back up when they were done. But this is that stone road that I started to talk about tonight. Okay, thank you, Mike. Remember, John? Oh, I love that stone road. So, you know, they're talking about a stone road going from here to here. Yep. I think it goes from here. I think this is part of it because doesn't that look like the same kind of a stone road that they found in the swamp? It looks like it to me. But why would you put a road to a treasure pit? You know what I mean? It's not a treasure pit. That's why, that's why it's going there. Right. It's not, this is not a treasure pit. 522 entrance is, is an entrance, but there's, if this theory is correct, uh, this, the treasure isn't here. The treasure is over here. Right. And who knows, maybe there's a whole bunch of treasure underneath here. Um, if, well, what, if wouldn't that road be, story. wouldn't that road be on dry land though? I mean, it's not going over mud or anything. That road that you're showing on the 1937 map is on high land. Yeah. I mean, the terrain isn't that steep here. Right. It, it It's, you know, it, it goes over. It go, goes over here. Yeah. It goes a little bit uphill, and it sort of levels out here. And then if it came back down, you know, there's a little downhill, and it comes down here. Yep. Um, I find that, this very interesting. Very, very interesting. You know, and this is the other. I was going to do a video on this. Is this shaft right here, Olivier? And I was saying because this is 1937. And this this is marked as an old shaft, 144 
feet on a couple of drawings, which we figured they say it's shaft 19, but we were wondering because it looks like it's open. And we were thinking, oh, maybe somebody already found it. Here's the shaft. They already went in. (laughs) But this is an old shaft right here. And it's marked on uh, the 1937 survey as an old shaft. And um, so those are the things that uh, I sort of noticed uh, this year. Um, really haven't spent all that much time on the, the vault theory. Just looking at some certain little aspects of it. And, yep, and everybody always asked about the hatch, the hatch, where's the hatch? You know what I mean? I get that a million times. The hatch is out here. Right. Um, yeah, this, here's lot five. Right. I have a lot map here. So here's lot five. Here's lot four. Okay. Mm -hmm. And according to the vault theory the hole under the hatch is right there so and this course that's that's one of the things that you know that ties the antiar schematic to the uh to the rashfakal map is the hole under the trap door is on the Antiara schematic, right. and it is E. E is the uh, the trap door. F is the hole. No, is that on lot three, uh, Michael? I can't see it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, according to what we think, it's right. Very, the very valve, good. The valve is down on lot five. Nothing has changed since I... Yeah, well, they did get some big, big metal hits across from uh, David's house that they didn't have permits to get to yet to dig them out. So they're just doing some surface finds right now. So maybe that'll shed some light on what's over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the thing is, is some of this stuff, and this is sort of what mystifies me too. If if these things are on the Rajfakal map, Mm -hmm. but if they're underground, why are they on the map? Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? It's like it's like they want you to discover these on the Rushfall map, but if these things are underground, then why do we need to know where they are? However, there's probably got to be an access somewhere up here. And we figure it might be on lot five that the valve might be that one be access to the uh, surface. Mm-hmm. But it could be that even from the 522 entrance, it could be everything is accessed from there. Yep, Daniel Spino says that lot overlay is awesome. Daniel Professor, he does the best overlays. I can't believe how good Michael is on doing that. That's why he's the best on what he does. So let's see. Yeah. 
think that's about it. I okay, Michael. Everybody isn't asleep now. <laughs> no, we're all. There's been a, 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 at least over eighty people steady coming in. Oh, good. They've been studying because we're all interested in what you want to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. It really has interested me, um, and I think it's it's something that. I mean, I I just can't emphasize it enough. It's 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 I'm not trying to make things fit and I'm not trying to, you know, hardwire this theory that I could be proud of. It's just uh, something that I started doing and I took the advice of Olivier. And when we started doing these lines, I was very meticulous in uh, the tolerances that I would use, which is plus or minus six feet. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Right. You know, and it's amazing how this stuff fits. And my overlays, I try and make them as accurate as possible with uh, the best knowledge that they would show the truth and uh, not try and, you know, make it fit to my theory. Right. Well, like I said, we went through questions as we were going through. So if anybody has maybe three more questions, that'll be that'll be it. And we'll button it up, Michael. All right. I'm going to stop sharing. Yeah, I got it. You're on the screen now. Okay. Everybody's saying thank you, Michael. Enjoyed your presentation. Can you see everything now, Michael? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot to think about, isn't it, Scott? <laughs> It's, yeah, uh, it is way a lot to absorb. It's hard for me to articulate what I know. And that's one of the challenges that I have because I'm not a very good speaker publicly. And it's it's hard for me to, I know I have to write things down and, and give it in that kind of a presentation, but there's a lot to, to this theory. It's just not uh, cut and dry. Yeah. Jan says, what is your profession? This is such a lot of work. Thank you, Jan says. Uh, I My background for 25 years was quality assurance in the aircraft industry. And I worked a lot with uh, uh, turbine engines and very small uh, measurements and, mm -hmm. and very, very much uh, oriented to detail, looking at detail. That's why I'm so detail-oriented. Right. Robot says, the research who originally owned Lot 8 and Lot 22, Jonathan Prescott, original purchaser in the 1765 and later sold to Samuel Ball. Very unusual person worth investigating. Thank you, Robot. Very, very good. Well, we got to have you back when you get more new information, and we got to get that uh, Oliver on here on an earlier podcast, so we get his yes. him going on here. And I want to thank you so much, uh, Michael. If you want to say your uh, goodbyes to the crew and then wait in the staging area, then I'll join you once I say my goodbyes. Yes, and go from there. Go ahead, Michael. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, everyone that watches my show uh, and watches this show. Thanks for coming out tonight. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, that uh, it means something uh, 
uh, to your investigations of your own theories. Thank you very much, John. Yep, and I thank you so much. I'll see you in about two minutes. Okay, uh, I'll wait here. All right, bye bye. Thank you so much, guys. Michael's fantastic. A lot to absorb, but we got a lot of time. I want to thank him so much. Don't forget, like his channel, like my channel, subscribe to my channel, subscribe to his channel. I'll have all links. He's going to give me all links to all these videos. And it's going to be in my description on YouTube. All right. And I want to thank you so much for coming in tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. But remember, members, always go forward. You may get a setback, but just believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. Never give up. I never give up. You keep smiling. You be kind. For tomorrow's a never given, guys. So stay strong. Stay positive. Stay safe in this crazy world. The world needs a lot of prayers. Thank you for joining me uh, and Michael tonight. We'll see you pre-show Tuesday at 7.15. And you'll see me and Judy on Wednesday recapping Tuesday's show of uh, the hidden truth. I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you for being so active when guests are on. I thank you so much. Take care and bye-bye.